Chapter 1. Throat Punch Oh, men. So predictable. Beth Colby, known within the organization as Draper's Girl, muttered to herself. Her face was wadded in disgust, watching her target settle in for a broadband pleasure session from the roof of a building across the street. She reached down to rub the outside of her thigh. It didn't hurt, just force of habit after being shot three months prior. Her target, the guy in front of the computer with his pants down around his ankles, was none other than Jane Gomes, a marijuana horticulturalist and virology scientist who fell off the grid three months ago. She watched him desperately pointing and clicking, trying to find a snippet of video that would get him off. He was one of the walking, talking reasons she'd been shot in the first place. In addition to being a douchebag who had the unfortunate distinction of crossing paths with her, he'd recently become a new inductee into the witness protection program. She could only assume he was doing his best to make himself a valued asset to his new patron saints. The organization, as her employer was known to its members, was a highly compartmentalized, multi-billion dollar corporate criminal enterprise. The boogeyman of sorts. Something conspiracy theories are made of. Something so ridiculous it couldn't be true. But it was. Gomes, the guy who couldn't stop playing with himself, was a loose end who had compromised her mission. She was definitely going to kill him. But not without extracting more information and inflicting a little pain. She continued watching him. For a book-smart guy, he was an idiot. He was the lead scientist on a failed project that would have produced an easily manipulable plant virus, and more importantly, a vaccine, a combination that would have conceivably made several of their member companies billions of dollars. Create the illness, own the cure. It was a great idea that would have essentially held the world's agricultural industry hostage without them ever even knowing it. There was one small fly in the ointment, though. It wasn't sanctioned by her employer. It was the brainchild of one of the organization's lieutenants, Magnus Johnson, and he'd found himself dead, a life-ending experience courtesy of Beth Colby and her boss, Draper, serving as a warning to other organization members about running a backdoor operation. Her employer didn't appreciate end runs even if it was an interesting idea. None of it mattered now. The project hadn't panned out, and now, three months later, she was still cleaning up the mess. She had taken her time in surveilling Gomes, breaking into his apartment, planning listening devices, and downloading the contents of his computer, looking for anything else he may have hidden. Other than not being able to keep his hands out of his pants, there wasn't much there. As of now, he was practically an open book, nothing else to offer. A book that would be slammed shut soon. She took a deep breath and considered her mission. She never second-guessed herself or her boss, Draper. Killing was part of her job description, one that she neither relished or avoided. However, Gomes was different. The fact that he was still walking upright was a painful reminder of her failed operation, but that would end tonight. She put her wig back on, making her way down the street, 
grabbing a small push cart stolen from an elderly woman, complete with a small sack of groceries from the corner market. To see her walk down the street toward the apartment building, dressed as a proud, aging, independent Atlanta lady, one would never suspect that she was one of the most lethal humans in the organization. She was a gorgeous badass with a psyche that would scare the living shit out of any mental health professional. She knew Gomes was being watched. Two of the knuckleheads were positioned directly across the street, the same type of deployment the U.S. Marshal Service set up with each of their guests during their first month of relocation. It was the other two men she had spotted previously that piqued her curiosity. They were good. Not out much in public, but when they were, they did all the subtle things to make themselves invisible. If she hadn't been a specialist in the trade craft of being invisible herself, she'd have no doubt missed them. They were obviously using Gomes as bait. For who? Me? She thought. She decided a chat with them was in order after she was done with the masturbating mess in apartment four. Neither the team of marshals or the mystery crew sensed anything unusual as she made her way to the front door of the building. They'd watched the older woman's routine for the past month, combining a walk to the grocery store, shopping at the corner market around 5 p.m. every evening. Unfortunately, that elderly woman, the real owner of Beth Colby's newly acquired grocery cart, and the resident across the hall from Gomes' apartment, was lying dead in a dumpster behind the market, a victim of the wrong place, wrong time. Beth had taken her clothes and assumed her posture perfectly as she pulled her cart into the building. What? Gomes yelled as she knocked on the door. She knocked again. He must still be at his session, she thought. Gomes took his time and then stumbled toward the door, darkening the peephole. He had seen the older woman before. Do you mind helping me? The wheel of my cart is stuck in the elevator, she said pitifully. Beth heard a groan coming through the other side of the door. Gomes fumbled with the locks and chains on the door only to download in his pants the moment he saw her. Hi, Jean, Beth said in a friendly tone as she punched him in the throat. 